as we try to do each time we observe the Lord's Supper. We will have the ushers in the back at the end of the service for a benevolence fund and take up that offering if you'd like to give. It's an opportunity for us to help some in our own church and certainly the community, but that'll be at the end of the service. So if you'd like to give to that, the ushers will be in the back. Uh, there as you depart, I encourage you to do that. All right, James chapter 4, and uh, part of the reason that we did the Lord's Supper. Again, I like making it the focal point. I like making it something that the service is centered on, is observing the Lord's Supper, but also allows me to then kind of take my message and shorten it and so forth to be respectful of your time. We'll do that tonight. So, uh, But I like James chapter 4. We started last week, and here in verse 6 and 7 specifically, and uh, uh, verse 6, note it if, will, if you will with me, verse 6, James chapter 4, but he giveth more grace. And really, we just focused in on that statement last week, but he giveth more grace. It's a great statement. If you remember correctly, real quick, last week we talked about this statement of God giveth more grace. What is grace? We define it as God's unmerited, undeserved favor. That's one of the multitude of definitions. And then we looked and saw that the Greek word more grace or words there literally means large or larger, greater grace. So there is a a measurement, a uh, quantifying aspect about God's grace. And so every day, and this is, this is tremendous truth that we focused on last week. God wants to give you and I more grace for every day. He's ready in heaven. He's ready to write the check. He is ready to allow it to flow. And, and boy, what a great truth and thought that is that our God in heaven, uh, who honestly, if we could summarize what we did tonight in one word, that's the love of God. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that's love. And this loving God is also a gracious God ready to give you and I grace. How many of you are going to need grace tomorrow on Monday? Amen. <laughs> I am throughout this way. I'm going to need grace. And he says he giveth more grace, greater grace. And we looked at these three ways, or four ways, excuse me. Obviously, the grace that brings salvation, the grace that flows in sanctification. So in my attempts this week to grow in the very likeness of Christ, to be changed into his very image, my character really warping into the character of Christ, uh, he gives more grace for that day by day. And then the grace that dispenses strength, He's going to renew our strength through grace. And he promises to do that. Man, I like that. I know this week I'm going to need some grace that strengthens me. It helps me face the temptations and trials that he that the devil attacks us with and the trials that even God sends. I need grace to help with that strength. And then I like the grace that offers endless supply. He giveth more grace. There's no end to it. And what a great truth. Now, real briefly, if you remember, we talked about the influences of grace. We might say the products of grace in our life. It produces a love for Christ and his people. It produces a deadened love for the world and less infatuation with his allurements. That's why it's here in James. He says, don't be friends of the world, but hey, uh, be a friend of God. Submit to God. Be humble. He gives more grace so that you and I don't think we're missing out on something when the world comes and tries to allure us. He gives more grace. And so it helps deaden our love for the world. It it also produces, as Titus said, a tendency to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Hey, that is a great report card for any Christian, isn't it? Did I this last week live soberly, righteously, uh, and godly in this present world? Well, let's see. Soberly and righteously and B. uh, What what would it be? What would be the report card? 
Because I need grace this week to live soberly, to live righteously, to live godly. And then as you see, not only that, the last two, it produces a life full of joy and contentment over one's life and graciousness displayed toward others. So as I'm content and I have joy, then it allows me to have grace. As God bestows grace on me, I am gracious to others. Would people who interacted with you this past week say you were gracious? (laughs) Would they say you're gracious in your interactions with them? Hey, as God has been gracious to us, so we ought to be gracious to others. We ought to take on that character of Christ himself. Then number five, a commitment to and willingness to sacrifice for the cause of Christ. And so these are just some of the influences, the product of grace in our life. You remember last week, we left off, and I just gave you the the little snippet, maybe a little teaser of saying, okay, if we have a hose, like a garden hose, and we hook it up to the spigot, and uh, we're trying to get water out, and we go to the end, we turn it on full blast, and it's even dripping at the spigot, and we know we have water, and yet we go to the end, and there's no water coming out. It tells us, probably, most of us have experienced it, we know right away there's probably a kink in the hose. And so we've got to find out why in the world this thing isn't flowing. Why uh, there's water coming from the spigot. It's flowing, but why hasn't it reached the end? And as we go back through, we might find a kink in the hose. And that is literally what James deals with here in James chapter 4, as he says, but he giveth more grace wherefore he saith now you say hey i didn't get much grace this week there were some situations some instances where i didn't have grace for it i didn't sense that god was bestowing grace on me well here's a great reason that it may not have flown notice it whosoever therefore or excuse me wherefore he saith god resisteth the proud hmm god resisteth the proud but giveth grace unto the humble So we want to term it this way, room number three, hindrance to the flow of grace. God giveth more grace, there's the influence of grace, and now we see the hindrance to the flow of grace. What is it that he's focusing on? Pride. So this is the hindrance to grace flowing in our lives. Now listen, every young person here knows what pride is. Every young person understands that a display of pride, it's giving too much valuation to self, seeking glory for me. Out on the playground, it can happen. I'm a better soccer player than you are. I can swing higher than you. I can escape the nursery before you do. <laughs> I mean, it happens everywhere. I mean, they know what pride is. They, hey, it's I'm better than you. And, and exalting self, choosing that, hey, I, I want to lift me up before I lift anyone else up, including the Lord. So we understand, even the youngest among us here, um, God, that kind of rhymed, yeah, the, the youngest here, they even understand what pride is and how it's displayed in our lives. It is me stepping above someone else, putting myself over someone else in comparison. Man, it can creep up. Hey, hunting season today, right? You know, both. Okay, anyway, and uh, hunting, uh, it started it, and boy, we can start comparing, right? You know. How many pointers did you get? You know, how many was your deer and so forth? And how many of you got? We can start comparing everything. People start to get jealous. How much do you make? How much, what do you drive? And how new is your car? And all of a sudden pride, boy, it wells up in us. I don't care what your age is. We've already seen scripturally in many messages before that pride is natural to this carnal man. We want to lift ourselves up. We want to promote ourselves. And I'll tell you, friend, that is one of the greatest hindrances to grace flowing in your life and in my life. Isn't it? 
And this is what Scripture says. Christ says, listen, God, hey, he, he resists the proud. And what he resists is that hose kinks. Our pride in our lives kinks that hose so that grace doesn't flow, but humility unkinks it. You ever find the hose, and you're like, oh, there it is, and you pick up the hose, and it's creased, and you have to kind of work out that crease if it's not a very good hose, and you kind of squeeze, and all of a sudden that water comes flowing through? Hey, that's humility. That's what God is saying. He resists the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. Fall. Here we are, and it's nice to get back to it this week. And I enjoy it. One of my favorite things about fall, when it gets cold enough, is that the mosquitoes go away. Amen? And they're done with, and praise the Lord, I like that. And yet before that happens, what, ha- what do we have to do? Well, you can tell someone who's gotten a can of mosquito repellent, and they've soaked themselves in it, okay? And uh, hopefully it doesn't have DEET, and they go into convulsions anyway. And uh, uh, nonetheless, they sprayed themselves with what? Mosquito repellent! They, they don't want mosquitoes anywhere around them. Now listen to me, forgive me, but can we just make an analogy here with that? You know what pride is? Pride is a grace repellent. Pride is a grace repellent. You don't want grace tomorrow? You walk up to, you wake up tomorrow, excuse me. You wake up and you say to yourself, I can handle today. I don't have to depend on God. And it doesn't have to be where you wake up and say that. It can just simply be this. You wake up and you don't pray tomorrow morning. You don't ask God for grace for the day, as we talked about last week. In Hebrews chapter 4, come to the throne of grace and ask for it that you might receive it. That's the, the whole point of that verse, that we'll receive it. We wake up tomorrow, and guess what? As soon as that clock goes off and you hit the snooze button three times and you finally get out of bed, you hit the floor running, and boy, you don't give a second thought of, wait a second, there ain't no way I'm going to make it through the day unless I cry to God. And you do that kind of thing, and you keep going throughout your day. Can I tell you? That hose is kinked. Because he resists the proud. And that pride is seen in our dependence. Hey, if you and I put on pride, because listen, the Bible speaks about, we'll see in a moment, being clothed with humility. You and I, on a daily basis, can wake up. And if you could put it this way, today, am I going to put on the garment of pride, or am I going to put on the garment of humility? Will I be clothed with humility as Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, or am I going to be, allow the garment of the flesh to be the garment I wear today? That's really the question. In fact, we could put it this way, um, as we in pride assess great value to ourselves, we take great glory for ourselves, will naturally repel grace flowing in our life. And so it really comes down to dependence, doesn't it? If you depend on yourself, you will miss out on the grace that flows when we look to and depend upon God. That's his point. He says God gives more grace, and that's a great truth. But you and I can kink the hose. You and I can allow our pride to rear its ugly head, and we can say, oh, wait a second. <laughs> Uh, I can handle today. And then the flow of grace stops. It isn't what Pastor Henry is saying. It's clearly laid out in Scripture and what God's Word declares. I want you to notice three truths. We may only get to one or two tonight, and we'll finish up next week. But I want you to notice three truths about humility and its connection to grace. Number one, notice this. God desires humility while the devil encourages pride. You know, all of us have cheerleaders in our life. (laughs) 
God's cheering us on from heaven as I are the many cloud of witnesses. But I'll also tell you, the devil and his, his entourage, his legions of fallen angels, they're cheering on you to fail, <laughs> to be prideful, to give in to pride on a daily basis. Turn with me. We're close enough, and we're in no, no hurry tonight. We can stop when we need to. So let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, if you will, with me. 1 Peter chapter number 5. The verse and the passage here in 1 Peter chapter 5 is the context of the local church. That's important. Whether we get to it tonight or next week, we'll elaborate a little bit more. But it's context of the local church. He's already spoken to the pastors, the elders of the church. And he's now he's kind of speaking to the, the membership, uh, the different members, the different believers that make up the church. In 1 Peter chapter 5, notice in verse number 5. He says this, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder." Yay, all of you. Now that's an all-encompassing statement. Every single one of us as believers, all in the church, yea, all of you be subject, submissive one to another and be clothed with, what's the next word? Humility. So be clothed with humility. And then he goes on to quote, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Like James says, like Proverbs said. God resists the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. You know what God wants, and as even this says, God wants you and I to be clothed with humility and thereby depend upon the constant flow of grace in our lives to overcome the world and all that's in the world. So every day, God wants you and I dependent on him to receive the grace. And this is, I think, pretty neat truth when you think about it. As we receive the grace of God, then it reminds us, boy, I can't make it through this day without God. It helps us to be humble so that we can receive what? More grace. But God giveth more grace. So as he gives me grace, and boy, my humility, and it increases my humility because I, I come to understand, wait a minute, I can't live this life by myself. I need my God. I need my relationship with him and everything he allows to flow into my life. And praise be to God, as he gives me more grace, it reminds me to be humble. And guess what? In my humility, he gives more grace. I'm not resisted as this statement puts it. As God, as much as God wants us to depend on him and his grace daily, can I tell you the devil wants you to depend on yourself? The devil wants us to be um, self-dependent. Can I tell you, listen, listen carefully, whether it be from the book of Genesis all the way through and really even outside of the Bible and all of history, the devil is the best do-it-yourself author there is. I mean, he is. He is the best do-it-yourself author there is. Uh, many of us, maybe, uh, we, we get on Google or YouTube and we find, oh, how to fix this and how to fix this. And we find a, a video and an article, how to do this. And boy, we like to save a little money. Hopefully we don't create more problems and cost ourselves more money. But anyway, we like to do that. A do-it-yourself mentality. Can I tell you? Now, if the devil could, he put a whole lot of videos on YouTube telling you how to live for yourself. How to live unto yourself. How to live life your way. Um, I mean, you think of it. That, that's what the devil majors in. It's one of his chief weapons against believers, against the church, and against God's kingdom. And isn't it funny? You think about it. It doesn't have to be an, just an individual believer, but even the church. How many churches are worshiping God in their own way? 
How many of them have gone different directions away from the scripture and they have chosen how to work and how to worship God, whether it be works-based, whether it be some type of worship that isn't congruent with the principles of scripture. They have chosen something outside of God's way. Boy, pride does that and the devil loves it. When we don't depend on him, but uh, we depend on ourselves. Hey, he likes it when we are a do-it, yourself mentality of christians whether it's trying to convince people to try to work their way to heaven in their own strength or trying to convince you and i as believers to finish what god has started in our own strength sanctification and a new life of holiness and purity the devil hates the idea of romans chapter 7 verse 18 for i know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing devil wants this as far from your mind and my mind, your heart and my heart every day. Because you know what this is? This is a humbling verse. Humbling verse. That in me dwelleth no good thing. There's nothing to brag about me out on the playground. There's nothing to to promote myself about because really inside of me, there's no good thing. If I accomplish anything of good, anything of greatness, it's not me, but it's he that worketh in me. That's all of us. The devil doesn't want us to embrace that. He tries to convince every believer to live life your own way and that you can do it on your own strength and not to submit and yield to the Savior in his ways. We know it from the beginning. What did he tell Eve? He said, hey, go ahead and eat and you will be like God. Now, there's a whole lot of pride wrapped up in that statement. A whole lot of pride. You're going to be just like God. And what did Eve do? She believed it. She believed it. She took him for what he said and what he had tried to convince her of. Holy Spirit warns through Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6. Notice it. It warns that a pastor should not be a novice. Little, very little experience. No previous uh, responsibility. It says this. Not a novice. Lest being lifted up with what? Pride. Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of who? The devil. Wow. Now that verse is saying the condemnation of the devil. He's saying the same result. The same thing that happens. What did the devil do? He exalted himself against God. He thought more highly of himself than he should have there in heaven. And thought he should be like God. So you can, I, I mean, this is a warning for what? A pastor not to be a novice. So he doesn't come in and say, wow, look, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Look what I've achieved. And his head blows up. And he thinks more highly of himself. And we know what happens when we think more of ourselves than we think less of God. Hey, Christian, did you hear that? When we think more of ourselves, we think less of God. And that's the warning. That's the challenge there before us. Uh, He falls into that same sin, letting his pride grow until everything becomes about him and not about God. And what, what what happened to Satan? He fell from heaven. What happens to even a pastor if he gets caught up in pride? He falls. Our generation, boy, there has been numerous well-known pastors that have fallen into sin. Why? Well, you'd trace it back, and my friend, there's always the root of pride. They thought more highly of themselves, and they thought less of God. He was the great judge who sees all and knows all. And has promised you reap what you sow. So it is true. 
Uh, I like what one commentator said. He, he said that one of the problems within the church today and the church as a whole, Christ church, is that we have too many celebrities and not enough servants. <laughs> I like that. Too many people who say, yeah, it's about me, and boy, I want position, and I want power, and I want, boy, I, I should be that, and I should be this, and, and boy, I should get the acclaim, and, and, and people should promote me, and I ought to be something in the church, and why didn't I get that part in the cantata? Why didn't I get that solo? Why wasn't I picked to do this? You know where that's all rooted in? It's called pride. That's pride. Now, come on, friends. This is what God is speaking. He says, listen, hey, he resists the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. If I could tell you, hey, all you got to do, all you got to do is tonight show up at my house at 1030 p.m. And I will give you $10,000. My driveway might be packed. I don't know if 10000 is worth that much to you. It would be to me. Okay. Hey, just show up at 10.30. And, and 10.30. Okay, that's not too late for some of you. Some of you might normally be in bed. But 10.30, you show up at my house, and I will give each person that shows up $10,000. And there's an endless supply to it. Woo-hoo, Pastor, you've been holding out on us. <laughs> $10,000. Now, now, let's be honest. How many of I mean, we'd be like, oh, yeah. I'd be like, my wife would be the first in line. Amen. Amen. Uh, I mean, let's get some money, right? Now, listen to me. If we would do that for money, do you realize that humility is one of the keys to grace? He giveth more grace. And I'll tell you, if pride keeps me away from grace, it's a grace repellent. I don't want to have anything to do with pride. I just want, I want humility. I want to obey what the Bible says. Be clothed with humility. As we said it here, because that's what God desires. In anything that has to do with pride, it's not God behind it. It's the devil. It's the devil. So my friend, this week, and it's been a long day already, this week, could I challenge you? Let's you and I work at being humble. Let's fight pride. Resist pride so that we resist the devil. We'll get more into this passage next week. But the challenge is very clear. Hey, don't be prideful this week. You want more grace? God will give it as you and I are humble. Join me in standing, if you will. I appreciate your attendance today. I'd encourage you as we are dismissed, stop by the table in the back uh, and sign up for those different things. And uh, spend some time in fellowship tonight if you can. That would be fantastic. Be great. We're going to grab our hymn book. We're going to come up. I think it's hymn number 187. Is that right? 187. Okay. 187. We're going to sing, Blessed be the tie that binds, as we often do. Hey, can I say one thing, too? Just, boy, it's 702, so I got plenty of time. No, um, uh, no, I want to get you out. But, um, hey, can I ask you this? And this is important. So, if I could have your attention, hey, children especially, could I have your attention? The last few months here at Five Story Baptist Church, I've just noticed, and just because I'm here all the time, there's been some things that have been kind of let go. And the people get out things and leave them in different places than they didn't get them. And uh, down in the gymnasium, we get out balls and things, and things are torn up and so forth. Could I encourage you that one of the things we ought to be wise stewards about is God's house. And all the facilities and things that he's given us. And so, hey, hey, young people, from the youngest to the oldest of us, let's take care of this place. I am grateful for what God has given us here. It's not mine, it's not yours, it's his, but he's put us in charge of it as faithful stewards. So I need even the youngest ones, even to, even adults, you get something out, all that I ask is, just put it back in its place. 
help us out that would help other ministries and sometimes other ministries people in charge get frustrated because things are moved we can't find them and so praise God we have a whole lot of ministries God's blessed us with but we need to be wise stewards of things so if you can help us out with that that would be fantastic and children if you can help us out that'd be great you know not to throw gum and urinal and things like that I've, I've heard some things and seen some things that just ought not so to be and so let's take care of God's house it's his house and we want to respect it and honor it as such and so 